Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Cammie Burkell went through the trial of her life as a young musician who had just produced her first worship album right after graduating one of the top music programs in the country. She lost her voice, and during that time, a battle with anxiety and depression formed. She found her way out through her faith in God when he told her she had the gift of comedy. You guys almost gotten in a car wreck singing Reckless Love. Can I see a show of hands? Right here, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Today on Exploring the Industry, I'm going to find out how this once musician has rebooted her life into comedy, playing sold out shows and starring in film and TV projects. I want to ask her about not just the highs, but the season of the lows and how this honest comedian actually got through it all into the dream she would have never expected. Join me, Sean Bowles, on Exploring the Industry. Welcome to Exploring the Industry. I'm Sean Bowles, and I'm hosting a conversation with what God's doing in the entertainment industry. And today, my guest is my friend, Cammie Brickell. <laughs> Hello. And the shenanigans that are happening behind the scenes. It's just great already. But you are a comedian, a musician, yeah. uh, actor, films, yes. and television both. Mama. Uh, a mama, a mm -hmm. wife. Yes. You do so many things. You yes. have a ministry background. I do. You have so many things going on. But the main thing you're doing right now, besides, of course, the mom and the wife, yes. is, is comedy, which yes, is a sir. huge deal, and acting. Yes. Those are your two mains. Mm -hmm. Because you guys own a production company that your husband, that's mm -hmm. his main thing. And so sometimes you sing behind yes. the scenes and... But this is awesome. Like I love what you're hosting right now because you're hosting things like Laugh Comedy Night, yes. which is a faith-based night for comedy. Mm -hmm. And then you're also doing stand-up comedy at the Comedy Store and Comedy Warehouse, these kinds of places, yes. amazing places. To lots of laughs because you're actually, a lot of those nights are sold out and people mm -hmm. are really into your career, really excited about, they're, they're finding your voice for comedy. They're finding their problems to laugh at because yes. you're very vulnerable, yeah. which is I really love good. problems. <laughs> I just can't get enough of them. Can't get enough of them. That's why you go to McDonald's. <laughs> I do go to McDonald's for whoever's watching um, a lot. So. <laughs> she talks about it on her Instagram. So on Instagram, you see the mountain of dishes, the mountain of laundry. Yeah. You and the McDonald's drive through You showing your car after? Yeah. I like to give uh, reviews of the trash in my car daily <laughs> in the school pickup line. Which is really... Which is pretty amazing. So Sheree and I watch this and we absolutely laugh and love it. And I know a lot of other people are resounding with this reality of yes. what you're bringing to the table, which is really good. But you weren't always a comedian. As a matter of fact, when I first met mm -hmm. you, you weren't on that journey yet. I mean, yes. you are always funny, but you weren't yeah. on the journey of saying, I'm going to go after this as like my thing, yes. as my primary. You were a musician and a minister and you guys had moved here really to see what God would do in Los Angeles. You had a word yes. from God to move out here. So what happened? Yes, like, did. take us on that journey. Um. So... And we came out here about 12 years ago Yeah. and, um, and I'll be totally vulnerable right now. We had just gone through a really, really rough time at a church and, um, I had just, uh, graduated from Berkeley college of music where my husband and I met and I'd come out with a gospel album and I had like all the best musicians in the world playing on it. And I had written all these incredible songs, at least to me and Jesus. Yeah. And, um, and it was amazing. And, um, 
And the week I actually got the packages of the album in, um, I couldn't speak and I was mute, like I out was of nowhere. So wild. And um, like you physically, it was gone. I was mute. I could not make sound. Um, and they found a tumor on my vocal cords. Mm. And so kind of the way your vocal cords are, they're, they're like this. And the tumor was attached to one side. And so they literally couldn't shut to make a vibration. Wow. And so I was a little freaked out. And um, I went to several specialists and I ended up at uh, Bastion Voice Institute in Chicago. Wow. So there's only two doctors in the U.S. that have uh, done this surgery successfully Oof. where people would be able to speak again or have a chance of singing. And so, um, well, I mean, let's talk about that a little bit because yeah. I've heard you share the story in different ways. And mm-hmm. one of the things I think of you is like your whole life, your joy is being a voice, your joy is yeah. conversation. You're a very connected person. So even beyond the career, yes, just you in conversation with your friends, going deep, sharing yes. life, laughter, and all of a sudden all that's gone, let alone your whole music career. You finally released an album. You can't Identity, do anything. Really? Ever, on every level, though. Yeah. Because some people think of it as a career level, but it's on every level. It was every level that I felt uh, silenced. And they were giving you very little hope. Yeah. Um, I went to two different doctors, and both of them said, we're not going to touch this. Wow. Um, and so they sent me to a doctor that some of the top celebrities and people in the world who have had really drastic situations that most people don't know about have gone to this doctor. Wow. Um, and w- words of affirmation, encouraging people and giving people um, words of knowledge and all of that is like my love language. Like wow. that's what I love to do at my birthdays is I invite all my friends over and give them encouraging words because it's like what I love to do. Yeah. And so that with having just graduated from the top contemporary music school in the world and having spent all my money and time and everything on this project. And then all of a sudden I couldn't yeah. talk. And I'm um, sure there's financial implications as well yes, because you're going to absolutely. one of the top doctors. It's not yes. a normal insurance process probably. It was not. Um, wow. So you move out to LA. Yeah. Why this is happening. So I, I had the surgery in Chicago and okay. then I went home to my parents' house for about three months. And then during that time, my husband Daniel's from Mexico City. Um, and we went down to Mexico because um, I knew people wouldn't try to speak to me in Spanish because I am a gringa <laughs> right here. Um, but it was really a time where I could come down there and heal. And Daniel's parents are pastors at a, a really amazing church in Mexico. Wow. And so we went to his house and I just stayed there and I was on a speaking regimen of, I could talk five minutes, um, of every hour. Wow. Um, to start strengthening my cords again as they were healing. And Daniel's mom, who's my beautiful Mexican pastora, she's she's a prayer warrior. And um, one day she came to us and she said, we need to know where you're moving and what God's going to do with you. Oh. And she said, we're going to stay in this room and we're going to tarry and pray until God shows up. Mm. And at this point, I was so like, I didn't want anything to do with church. I didn't want anything to do with, um, with worship music, with anything, because the incidents and everything that happened, it was so, um, traumatic. And I I know I'm being really basic with that story, but, um, and I just come out with this worship album and all of a sudden I'm mute and, and, and all the encouraging words and even prophetic words I had gotten all before this, I actually threw in a dumpster. Um, I threw everything away and I was like, I was so afraid of everything at this point that I was like, God, if you're going to speak to me, you will speak to me. I don't need to hear you through anybody else or through anything. You're my dad. And if you want to talk to me, you're going to talk to me. And so that's where I was. Wow. Like my husband and God were like the only people in my life that 
I didn't feel utterly afraid because again, like you were saying, it's like my whole identity was just like washed out of me. Well, and you felt from what I've heard you say before, you yeah. felt betrayed Yeah, that the thing you're doing for God mm-hmm. caused you a tumor. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. And, and the whole circumstance and there was just a whole church mess and, and there was a lot of spiritual yeah. aspects too. And so it was, it was very uh, traumatizing at a deep. So it was causing anxiety and fear and anxiety. frustration. Yeah. And, and so uh, we went into this room in Daniel's parents' house with his mom. And I was like, I am not going to sit here and tarry. No way. Mm. This is not happening. And so we shut our eyes. And I've seen Daniel's mom pray for eight or nine hours in a room. Like that's not, mm. that's a normal day. So. Hello, Mexico prayer warrior. Mexico prayer warrior. They're not kidding. Yeah. Um, and I shut my eyes and I was like, God. And then I immediately had a vision. Um. And I told the Lord, okay, I don't know anybody there. I am so broken. I'm so desperate. I feel like I have nothing. Yeah. And I was like, if, if I saw correctly, then you tell Daniel what I saw right now. And Daniel was praying and he opened up his eyes and he said, God just gave you a vision. Wow. And I said, and he was like, it's of LAX, the airport code. Oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I just saw Los Angeles written in fire. Wow. And so we were done tearing after five minutes. Ever in your life, LA? Um, Growing up, I knew that I'd end up in either New York or LA or both at some point. Okay. So, but at that moment, nothing was on my map. Sure. (laughs) You know? Yeah, you were going through. I was just like, I need to be with family, I guess, you know? Um, And so that started our journey those visions. And, and I just want to say this for whoever's watching and whoever's listening that, you know, people hear from God very differently. And so, um, I grew up pretty conservative in the church and then I had just the most incredible experience with the Holy spirit in college and started to learn, um, how to hear God differently. And, you know, a lot of people hear him through just a simple whisper, like a heart impression or through their friends or family. But one of the main ways that the Lord has graciously spoken to Daniel and I has been through dreams. Oh, good. And visions. But most of the major decisions that we've made in our life and when we've had to reposition or we've needed to know what to do in big situations, God has come to us with a dream that's been very, very specific. Um, So I know it sounds crazy to get two visions and just be like, okay, but we it was really radical that Daniel saw what I was thinking. No, it's huge. And then God was just like, okay, that's what we're doing. So Daniel and I came out here in our uh, 2001 Honda Accord (laughs) that had a ding in it from when I wrecked it in our garage in Boston. (laughs) And we were going to school up there. That's a great way to wreck it. We paid $225 for garage parking. This was like 15, 16 years ago. It was a big deal. That's a lot of money. I would rather starve than have a car that's covered in ice in Boston. Anyways, so um, we drove out here, uh, put all his guitars in the trunk, clothes in the car, didn't wow. have any money and came out here. Um, and so later that year, uh, we used to do the music for all of Daniel's parents' uh, conferences in Mexico. They'd hold these massive conferences with like wow. seven, 10,000 people. And the first year we were out here, we came down, we did music for it. And I was just so, both of us were so burned at this point because I just started to speak again and I was still going through therapy, retraining. And was he going through stuff too? He was just as, so scared. Yeah. He was so angry. A hard and church so, process. And, yes. This was we, the first two years of our yeah. marriage. Oh, wow. So it was just brutal. Um, yeah. And Heidi Baker was speaking at that conference 
And Daniel and I refused to wear our VIP tags and because we didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and Heidi was up there on stage. And this this conference had like 15,000 people. And people had their hands in the air. And Heidi was just praying over people. You know, when Heidi preaches, you're just like, I'm, I need to be a better person. Help me, God, you know? <laughs> just for our listeners, Heidi is... <laughs> In charge of the fastest growing church planting movement in the world. They have 40,000 churches plus now. Mm-hmm. And she, when she speaks, it's like Mother Teresa. You just feel like you want to yeah. give your life to Jesus. You're done. You're done. Yeah. yeah. So um, she was she was praying and and she had just said she's getting off the stage. Anybody who wants prayer, she's going to pray. And there's this huge like, you know, VIP room off to the side. And there's, you know, Claudio Frazen and all these different pastors and preacher, preachers there. And Daniel and I are in the musician's pit and we're wearing all black. I don't have, we don't have tags. I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) Heidi gets off the stage and you've got all these people and she beelines straight to the back corner where Daniel and I are. Oh, wow. And she puts our hands together and she doesn't know that we're Juan Jose and Lucero's kids, Daniel's (laughs) parents' kids, and that, you know, they're running the ship. And she whispers in our ears what happened. Oh, wow. And... And she just spent the next two days with us. Like we walked her back to the VIP room and she just spent the whole time with us back there. And then she said, I have a friend named Sean Bowles and my, is that you? I knew this was a God thing. (laughs) I'm glad we're finally meeting. So many people have that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, her son, Brock and Christy, and, and it was very strange. She's like, I feel like you're going to be some of their best, their best friends. Wow. And, um, she gave us your number. She gave us a bunch of other people's numbers and, and Brock and Christie's. And she said, uh, Sean had just started this church, Expression 58. And we and then Daniel said, is that off of Isaiah 58? She's like, yes, it is. And we said, well, we just started a recording studio and it's called I-58. Because when we came Which out is so here, funny because everybody thought it was ours. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not making that money. That would have been would nice like that, to no. share in the financial load <laughs> yeah, of that. Actually, the, the back end wasn't as good, but the front end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and the Lord had shared with us those verses when we came out here, Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61, and just to welcome wow. people right where they were and that God was going to send us through a training ground. We didn't know what that meant yet, but. Yeah. Um, so. Two years before this, we get a call from Daniel's brother right in the midst of the vocal cord stuff and the trauma. And Daniel's brother is extremely prophetic. And if you think Daniel's quiet, Daniel's brother is like even quieter. <laughs> like it's it's amazing when he talks, wow. you know, but very quiet, but very uh, profound, deep person. He called and left a message on Daniel and I's phone. He said, I read this book by this guy named Sean. It's Keys to Heaven's Economy. Oh, wow. And the Lord spoke to me when I was reading it about one of these keys to Hollywood, that God was going to give you one of these keys. Oh, wow. Well, we didn't know who Sean was. I don't think you ever told me that part. No. And Daniel erased the message because we were just like, okay, we didn't know what that meant, whatever. I can't. Sure. We're just so messed up. And we didn't even put it together until one Tuesday night Wow. at Studio City Church when it was there. And... I saw one of your books in the back and I was like, Daniel, I think this is the same Sean that your brother told us about on an answering machine. So then a couple weeks later, we have lunch with you at Aroma and Sean brings a key. A key to give to you. I just felt like God said, bring a key, give give these guys a key to Hollywood. Yeah. Not that I have all the keys to Hollywood, but I had (laughs) apparently the prophetic act. It was a very large metal key. (laughs) The the spiritual act of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so wild. 
And so his brother had actually called on our machine two years earlier and said that that was going to happen. No, I love that because I think, you know, it was probably taking years for us to really connect after that. I mean, we've we've always been connected. We always loved you guys. But years later, a lot of stuff has evolved in our lives and your guys' lives. And it's interesting because during that time right after that is when you start pursuing comedy mm-hmm. at the Groundlings, yes. which is my sister had just, I think, was going to the Groundlings Theater to do their level one course or something Yeah, right before, right after you. and then, But you stayed in it. Now, the Groundlings, explain what that is. So the Groundlings is a sketch and improv school. Um, it's probably the top in the world for yeah. uh, learning comedy and learning how to improvise. So it's also. like 1974 Yeah, writing sketch. So yeah. all like the top SNL people just... 99% of them come out yeah. from there and training from like, there. Like um, John Lovitz, yeah. Melissa McCarthy, Will Jennifer Farrell, Coolidge, Will Ferrell. Like 75% of their cast right now is is from the wow. Groundlings. Um, and so it's it's an amazing school. It's really rigorous. It's not for everybody learning that because yeah. a lot of people don't like the competitive nature. But I actually love that. Like I love when a teacher's like, that sucked. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, you know. Um, but so I was there training for almost nine years. But um, talk about the first part of that because I love this part mm-hmm. because here you had you guys were still transitioning in, in Hollywood mm-hmm. trying to figure out who are we, what are we going to yeah. do. Some yeah. deep identity crashes happened before this, and so now you're yes. rebuilding. Yeah, and so and then God gave you something through the groundlings that I think was so significant. I think it's great mm-hmm. for people to hear because yes. where you're called to mm-hmm. becomes your church in a way. Absolutely. So um, backtracking to high school, I had done, I'm from Oklahoma City, and I had done an audition when I was about 17, and it was for a writer, a head writer on The Tonight Show. Oh, wow. And so I was improvising for him. There were a bunch of other people there, but he ended up calling my parents and saying, I want to meet with you because I think your daughter needs to skip college, come out to LA, I'll get her a job backstage at The Tonight Show. And um, that's not what happened, but... I, we went out to LA because I auditioned for Cal Arts and USC, and he took us to the Groundlings, and for a show there, and wow, with so my dad and and this writer, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. awesome! And he's like, I'll get Cami a job at the Tonight Show. She'll come out here and, and train at the Groundlings. So I was like 17, wow. 18. I was like, um, and I'd already gotten my lifeguarding license. So I was like in this whole like Baywatch. I was like, I'm going to be a Baywatch lifeguard, but for real, but not that great of a body. And and then I'm going to do the groundlings and That's I'm going to awesome. work at the Tonight Show. Like everything was coming together. My parents were like, no, you're not. You're going to college. So yeah. um, I got accepted to Berkeley and, you know, met Daniel there. So God did all those amazing things. But um, <laughs> so backtrack uh, 10 years after that, I'm now in L.A., I've gone through all this trauma. I'm really starting to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. anxiety disorder, panic disorder. And um, I just could hardly get out of bed. Yeah. And um, I was so traumatized. I couldn't eat. I felt sick all the time. Wow. I, there was, a did good, you know what it was or was it kind of, we did a bunch of blood went. tests until finally my C reactive protein in my body, which measures stress was off the chart. Yeah. And then they said like, she's having crazy adrenaline releases, like a hundred wow. times more than what you should every day. So I was constantly in a state of panic. Now, did you have like shame attached to that or were you okay? Were no, you... I was just scared. Yeah. Yeah. I was just scared. And, and I wasn't even to a place where I could think about how I felt about it. I was just trying to survive. Yeah. And I remember thinking at that time, healing, it was so bad that healing for me at that point would be like, if I could find enough will to cook Daniel dinner. Oh, wow. For the rest of my life. 
then that would be a life worth living. Wow. I mean, I went from everyone is safe on this airplane because I'm on this airplane. Yeah. Confidence to I'm going to stay in my house all day, every day. And I can't drive. I can't do anything. Wow. Um, and building your life back after that. Yeah. Because I just didn't, I'd never experienced that in my body before. Um, so I'd always kind of had the groundlings on my mind. And I met with a friend I'd never met with before, like met her through another friend. I was like, oh, a friend in LA. Okay, we'll meet for coffee. You know, a new friend. She said in this conversation that she uh, was thinking about auditioning for the groundlings in a week or two. Had I ever heard of it? And I was like, mm. yes, I've heard of it. You know, I was supposed to be there. Huh. And um, long story short, she never auditioned. That <laughs> that little lunch was just a little God meeting little to like, cause God knows how I work. Someone else is doing, I'm like, I can do that too. I can do it better. You know, do it. <laughs> Competitive nature. Competitive. Like, that's amazing. I know if I have the ability. That's can, huge to go from I'm in bed. Yes. With anxiety. And I'm going to go try out. For I could comedy. barely make it through that lunch with I mean, her. I was having so much panic, just social anxiety. Th that's supernatural in itself. To, to yes. be able to, I mean, comedy is not easy. No, no. And you don't know anybody so. and you're crazy, you know, like it's nuts. And so, I like went home that day and like got on the computer and was angry, you know, like, wow, I'm going to do this. And then I was, had all the, when you suffer from panic and anxiety, all the like, oh, I can't, I'm going to, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? You know, I was never like that. And then I, that was my world. Wow. Went to the audition, sick in the bathroom, came out, met, uh, one of my most wonderful friends to this day. Her name's Laura. And she went to NYU and we met in the lobby. She looks exact. We're like twins. And I was like, oh my God, I love you. And she was like, I love you too. Within five minutes, I had told her everything that had happened. And she had told me everything that had just happened. Wow. She had uh, suffered from Bell's palsy and had gotten Oof. a bad bite. And she had been through this crazy time. So we bonded. I'm telling you guys, within 10 minutes of us crossing the street into this highly competitive audition, we're praying for each other and for God's angels to show wow. up in our audition and ministering to each other. So we walked into that audition. We both made it. And... um Long story short on all that, I met some of my closest friends out here, my church, you know, in the yeah. comedy world. And why I was willing to do that was when I was in Mexico, one of Daniel's parents, uh, doctors at their church, I had them check me out when I was going through this time. And she prays from the Lord and asks God to show her what's going on besides the knowledge that she has, like, God's what, what's really going on here. And the Lord told her that Cammie needs to laugh again. Wow. Because growing up, I was always so funny and I always made funny videos. I did QVC mock videos and gave them to people for birthday presents. I would sell products That's in my amazing. basement and give them to my friends for birthday I've presents. I've seen Instagram do that a few times yeah. too. It's I mean, so funny. this started a very long time ago. I'd get my mom's wow. turtlenecks and sweaters from her closet, set up my dad's huge VHS and like sell products and give people videos as their gifts. <laughs> That's, like, That's you want more of. of this. Like if my girls did that, I'd be yeah. so proud of them. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. So when you went to, so you're groundling now, you go back into the groundlings, like you're going, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's not, Very is hard. it weekly at that time? I was there three times a week, two three times a week, times a week or two mm -hmm. times a week. And so yeah. Daniel's driving you. Daniel's driving me for the first year. So Every what's time the I healing process? What happened? Cause you're sick. obviously totally. Yeah. I was sick, spun out and I went there and there was just something about being with people who were so real about mm -hmm. where they were. And so talented and so funny and still like so wow. vulnerable and real. 
Like it was the first place I could be where people talked about having anxiety or needing to take medication. No, they were it was just like, like, oh, you're on medicine. Oh, oh, you should be. If you're not, what are you doing? Yeah. You know how, or like, oh yeah, I grew up with this family and we had these issues and like no one was hiding and it was so wow. good. It was so good. And then every day I'd get, get up on stage and, you know, for a lot of people, improvisation and comedy, you feel like you're, you're jumping. Like these are, this is most people's worst nightmare, you know? Yeah. I but mean, like, I've done it a few yeah. times and it's like, <laughs> I have to be in a frame of mind because it pulls so much out of you. you it does. You leave so much on the stage. I was yes. exhausted every time. Totally. And I didn't do it professionally. I just did it like in places where we're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the, the theory with or the rules of improv are yes and. So anything my scene partner gives me, I say absolutely. Yes. And then I pile this on top. And then you build a scene like that. And But it is really, it's a state of mind you have to be in a free flow. Yeah. You know, and so, um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit about how to stay a Christian in that way of crazy. Cause we're all crazy. Yeah. But, um, so I got up on stage, um, two to three times a week and just started taking the bull by its horns and was like, the devil is not going to destroy me. Wow. And I'm in a place where I can feel free to be broken and not okay. Yeah. And still share Jesus. And growing up in the church you were in and then the church that you and Daniel had kind of a hardship in. Mm-hmm. And even Daniel growing up, when, the way he didn't know, there's yeah. some wonderful Christian backstory, but at the same time, there was some performance on it. Yeah. So it's the first time you're in a place where your yeah. Christianity is completely like, this is this is either real or it's not. Come on. Like, this is yes. what this is going to happen. Or, and Which yeah. is really unique. Right. You know, it's really unique that you found him in... A comedy, a comedy club. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, everyone was just, and they are to this day, so beautiful and so wonderful um, and so open to God. I mean, that was the amazing thing is I was really, and, and at the time while I was at the Groundlings, I had two babies. Yeah. I ran a recording studio with Daniel and we worked with some of the top artists in the world. And it was a major faith journey of God, of us depending on the Lord for every penny while we're like entertaining the greats. It was wild. Yeah, some of the people who came through, it was just so wild to wild. hear about them. I'm like, what now? You're doing this and you're doing this. Yeah. And you're doing... Every time I hear from you guys, there was some major God story that was happening totally. in the industry. But you're still like, you're having your babies. We're having you're, our babies. You're We're still setting up camp. Overcome. What was the day or the week or the, the, the experience where you felt like you had crossed over into a new season from the anxiety and from some of the stuff you'd gone through? I think the severity of it uh, was probably six years ago is when I felt like the breaking of the severity of it. Um, And then now I know what triggers are. And so I haven't been able to stop it fully, but I know how to be better on myself. And then also a lot of healing from anxiety comes from – whether it was, you know, being in a church that was difficult or whether it was through a breakup or betrayal or whatever, when you get to walk out new relationships and new experiences, and that comes over like a course of years. Yeah. So in many of those areas of my life, I'm still recovering. Um, but God has just continued to sew me back up and, and heal me because I know that, you know, a lot of the areas that we're attacked the most in are the areas where God has anointed us. And so I know that that's why the enemy's <clears throat> like, me. we'll make you mute and then we'll steal your identity. Well, I was reading about for the show because I was putting together some of them, our game that we're going to play. Yeah. And so there's, which is, has a little comedy in it. 
and I was reading about comedians and how 75% of comedians struggle with anxiety or depression yeah. at some point in their life in a severe way. Right. And so it seems to be an attack on this people group too. Cause sometimes it's before, sometimes it's during, sometimes it's after whatever, yes. but there's an attack on this people uh-huh. group because they're called to bring joy and they're called to bring actually relevant conversations about go. things that we're not always comfortable talking about. Yes. And so I think it's really interesting that you went through this battle in the context of both church and non-church mm-hmm. and some of what you're doing is both mainstream. And then it's also, you're, you're saying so. things in the church. Like I went to one of your comedy shows where you shared some of this at the end, after we were all dying laughing the entire time, then you share some, you unpack this testimony and then you say, if you're struggling with anything in this context, come up front and the whole room went forward. We had like 200 people come for prayer. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, no, it was wild. And, and the comedians were the ones who were praying for everybody. Come on. And I was like, what has happened? This is so awesome. Like people, all of a sudden they forgot that they were in church and they forgot that they weren't supposed to Everything. be vulnerable and they forgot they weren't afraid of anxiety and they weren't afraid of. Because you're not afraid because yeah. the joy of the Lord is our strength and that's yeah. the power. That's why, you know, when you're talking about the percentages of people that suffer from depression and anxiety with comedy, it's because laughter has a chemical release in your yeah. brain how God created it to, Mm -hmm. to bring healing, laughter and joy also breaks people's walls down. And it reminds you and your neighbor when you're sitting there, we may look different and we may have different bank accounts and we may come from a different place, but we're all one and we're all the same. And Mm -hmm. we all laugh together because we all kind of have the same problems. Yeah. So it brings unity. And that's the power exactly is to break stuff down. That's why God was like, Cammie needs to laugh again. She needs to remember. Yeah. You know, which became that's what you call your comedy show now. Yeah, laugh. laugh. Yeah, laugh. And you talk about that a little bit. Laugh, which is amazing. So, what inspired you to start the comedy show? Um, well, it's funny because I'd done comedy clubs really regularly for about the last ten years. So, besides Groundlings doing sketch, I had my other sketch group. We were putting on original shows once a week for eight years. Yeah, done stand up the last five. So for stand up, I was doing Comedy Store, Ice House, Laugh Factory all the time, just in the grind of it. And not because I thought that that was like the most fun thing to do, but because the Lord had told me that he wanted me to go into stand up and to become excellent at it. And then wow. he'd show the purposes wow. later. So it was, it was an aspect of live comedy and writing that I hadn't uh, done yet. And, it, and writing standup is completely different than writing sketch. It's a whole different ball. Yeah. Game. I mean, most people. Yeah who are stand-up don't do sketch, but a lot of people who do sketch can do stand-up, right? Or, um, yeah, it, but it's it's like two totally different veins yeah. of writing. So if a stand-up's really good and they get up there and they're, you're having a great time, oh, it's so easy. It's like, no, that, as a stand-up, I, when I go to shows, I deconstruct people's material yeah. and how they set it up and No, Seinfeld, it. I was just reading, Seinfeld uh-huh. writes every joke 50 times. Yes. That's a lot. Yes. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I have pages and pages. Well, you had my wife do some stand-up, and yes. because of that, I watched her for work on it so many hours, just her one little, I think yes. you gave her 10 minutes, and yeah. that 10 minutes, she was afraid she couldn't even fill it, but she ended up having enough material, yes, and she, she, was she awesome. did great, but I mean, it was so much work. So much work. I watched her, I was like, this is harder work than mm-hmm. doing a sermon at church by far. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so much harder. I just did a show in Dallas this weekend. Um, How did it go? Church. It was great. That's awesome. Um, and I wrote some, uh, jokes for the local people there along with my regular set, but just that, the way you practice them, the way you, um, handle it, it's all like a very structured discipline. Um, but so I've been doing clubs for a long time and 
God started sharing with me about wanting me to go into the church and start doing comedy in the church. And I've been very much in this industry, like I'm out here, you yeah. know, I serve in my local church. It's one of my passions. And I love ministry. I yeah. love ministry. I make a joke. How I want to be a full-time pastor, but decided I need to do something more stable with my life, such as <laughs> comedy. It's not a joke though. I mean, the stable part's a joke. Yeah. Cause like comedy may not be stable. God is my solid rock though. Um, but, but I love pastoring people and I just, I adore ministry. So, um, but when God was like, I want you to bring comedy into the church, excellent comedy, good mm -hmm. comedy, clean comedy, better comedy, comedy that's better than anything that's yeah. out there. And then we're going to bring people to that. I was like, you know, yeah. I was like, I didn't want to do church. I didn't want to do jokes about any of this. I've been so, you know, in the industry in a different way. Um, but then he just started opening doors for it. And so kind of the 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 passion and the vision behind laugh is to bring stellar comedians in to make people laugh till they cry mm. for an hour yeah and then come in with whatever the lord wants to talk about whether it's a testimony or a word wow. whether it's a night for salvation or a night for healing because the lord's shown me and so many other people that we get all the walls broken down oh, for between sure. us and Jesus yeah between us and like being like well you haven't healed me the last 15 times what's what makes tonight different yeah. We get rid of all that. That's kind of the picture I had is I've yeah. watched you comedy a few times and I watch people take off pieces of their armor and they're all of a sudden they don't realize they're doing it. It's like this heavy thing that they're carrying yeah. and all of a sudden they're just themselves for a second. It's like yeah. they get to be completely free in the context of your jokes and right. it's so beautiful to watch. And so I seeing you do, you know, and I know you're still doing all the other stuff too and acting. You just got done with a project or are you still, are you finished? I just wrapped on that. You just wrapped. And mm -hmm. so you're wrapped on a movie and doing all the other stuff, like watching, you know, this part of, I, I love it because you've come in as a content creator and also kind of a mother yeah. to some emerging comedians and some people who are, you're giving them courage yeah. for what you just walked through. You're saying, no, you can do this. And they're actually, they're coming up higher because of your faith in them yeah. than they normally would if they had their own entrance or on-ramp through just a comedy club or something. They're like coming up higher. And, you know, one of them was just invited by Angela Johnson to yeah. open for her. Yes. Which is crazy. He, she just saw He's on done Instagram it like three times. Yeah. that he was doing a show with you and it was his second show. Yeah. Second show. And he did the first one with you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she said, there's something about you. I want you to open for me. Yeah. And the crowd of what, like three or 4,000 people. Yeah. He opened. I mean, that's, and that's hard. It's crazy. That's yeah. wild. But it's that's hard. the power of, I think you stepping out and saying, we have to make place and room for this. And yes. I, I think it's really powerful. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a tool for ministry also in the churches yeah. that we're not utilizing. You know, I think every church should have their funny people doing stuff all the time, yeah. you know, nights or whether it's announcements or preaching sometimes, you know, whatever it is, it's yeah. he, God is saying, that's your weapon totally. that you have to fully rise above. It's like when everything else is going down and when you're just having like a straight Shadrach 10 years, which I just went through of like burning in the fire, yeah. the joy of the Lord is what keeps me up here and keeps me in a place of like, he's good. Mm. You know, he's so good. He's so good. That's, that's the perspective we need. Yeah. That's it. Well, I want to ask you about husband and family in the context of this kind of industry. Like you have these beautiful little girls, these two beautiful girls and then your husband. And what's it like raising your family right now in the context, your husband being a music producer and you being a comedian slash everything else you do? Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, it's, it's give us today our daily breath. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I just wrapped on a movie and I was shooting 
six days a week oh, wow. for three and a half weeks. And some of my, uh, shooting was like till two in the morning. So it was Oof. crazy. But, um, we take one day at a time, you know, a lot of people hear it and they're like, I could never, whatever, but I don't think we're meant to live our lives. Like, how do we do this? Yeah. I think we just get up today and we praise God. And I, you know, like today I had a callback for an audition right before this that I got notified of last night, like midnight. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, scrambling it. And every time if I just center myself with the Lord, I'm like, God, okay, how do we make this work out for tomorrow? Yeah. Cause you're calling me to these different things. So help us work it out. Yeah. And then we got the babysitter and, um, you know, getting all the schedules worked out. So I would say though, that having my husband, Daniel and my girls is the most important thing in my life. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing in my life. Yeah. And that is where I prioritize it. Yeah. And you have to differently here because I know you, you came from obviously far away. This is not your homeland. So like, yeah. I, I know when we moved here, even finding a plumber, let alone a nanny, I mean, like, it's just so hard. It's yeah. just a different Yes. It's a different thing. So like having people to come support you, if you'd done this in Mexico city with Daniel's family just and babysitters, people. you know, it's like and just like, people for days to help people you would, days. you'd be like, Oh, my house is clean again. Yeah. This is great. All the time. And you come out here and there's literally nothing. You have to fight for support. Yeah, you do. And so you being do. in an industry where you're both working so hard, um, you know, I know that the sacrifice is bigger because of that, but yes. I like hearing the balance of what you're saying. How are the girls doing in the context of your guys? Because they're so little and so cute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How are they doing in the context of this career? They're doing really well. They um, seem to be. Yeah, they're, they're doing great. And we balance it out pretty well. So yeah. we call it the baby trade. So yeah. if we try as much as we can um, to make it to where if I'm not with him, then he can be with it. And that's the grace of God that we've been able to do it yeah. mainly like that. Daniel's getting ready to step into something very new, which is very exciting. So we're probably going to need a little bit more help on that side. Yeah. But also God's just provided because there's been a lot of times where we couldn't afford childcare at all, but then sure. we have friends that would come into our life and, and help us that way. But the girls actually love it. I mean, all of them are like, you need to get them in commercials and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> they already live here. They're fine. Yeah, they, they will find it. They can figure it out. If they they will it. find yeah. it. I know we said the same thing. We're like, we're not going to put that on them. No, it's no, like, we're no, too no. busy ourselves. We're going to just have a good family. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to go back to that too, though. Cause you said there's times we couldn't afford babysitting the, the whole time I've known you guys to hear, you guys have worked so hard and yeah. you've been involved with serious projects that have serious budget to them and, and everything else. And it kind of shows that it's fine. Cause most of our friends, we, we have a lot of mutual friends, a lot of people, even if they have money, they're cash poor because of the projects they're invested into, or you have enough money for the season you're in and then it runs out while you're waiting for the next project. So yeah. how has it been financially? Like how have you navigated that together? Oh, it's been literally crazy. Yeah. It's been crazy. I mean, um, we ran a studio for almost nine years. It was a 4,400 square foot building that we took on by ourselves. Yeah. Um, from a word from the Lord. And it was crazy. It was like, it cost so much money. And sometimes we had massive artists in there and we're like, Oh my God, we're okay. And then so many other times we didn't. Yeah. And, um, that I think was just the biggest training ground for being out here and just for people in the industry in general, because there's usually not like a stable income. Yeah. Um, is God chiseling away at you and, and asking you to trust him, teaching you how to trust him, mm -hmm. always trusting him. Because I think when he starts to really move you 
forward in those places. Um, your number one want and desire has to be so much him mm. that when that stuff comes, it's like, it's great. Oh, I got this movie. I got this accomplishment. Great. But he's changed your heart so much through chiseling away at your crap. Yeah. That the money stuff doesn't matter anymore. And that's so hard because it's like a burning of the flesh. I mean, we were working with one of the very top pop artists in the world. We did two of her records. We had like $70 in our account, a young baby. I had to go buy pumpkins and candles and all the stuff because she was coming in overnight. And all I had was 70 bucks. I didn't have enough money for groceries. And we're running this building that cost tens of thousands of dollars every month. And every month the money would come from here over there, 60 bucks here, 5,000 over there. It was just a constant laying down of self. That was just like when he puts those people in front of you that he wants you to minister to the gospel to, you didn't think it would feel like that. You thought me getting to bring Jesus to the industry looks like every duck in my house being in order and me having a bank account that's full of money and me having my name on whatever resume and everything just equals out. And it's not like that at all. It's an upside down world. It's a kingdom where you have power and anointing when you fully trust him and you're anchored over here. That's like, you have no idea. I spent the last 50 bucks I had on earmuffs for you for your birthday because I had no idea what to buy you. But like, you know, for people that would come in, but it postures you in a way that's like only Jesus, yeah. only Jesus, only Jesus. And whenever he brings those dreams and desires and we're, we're in such a season of God starting to fulfill the things that he's spoken, praise the Lord. Cause I don't yeah. know how much longer I could have gone. Lord Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, God. Um, the wilderness is not come fun. on. Yeah. But I found in that, that it's like, Oh, the only place that I ever want to be is worshiping him. He's mm. so worthy. When you get to that place where it's like nothing even lights a candle compared to who he is. Yeah. It's funny because when you're saying that, I think of the people, so many people have taught throughout history, like when you go through that hard season, just look at the words ahead of you, the destiny, whatever else. But what I found here, both Shri and I found it many times, it's like, we couldn't rely on what we get to do for God or whatever to be our substance for what no would get us out of this. Cause we were doing great things and we're like, this isn't enough. Like this isn't like, he's the only thing that's going to sustain us. Prize. Like he's the prize. He's the and prize. it's really interesting when you get past that, I think there's a greater release automatically, not just of resources and time and everything else, but there's just a release of like trust and trust. Yes. And so it's interesting to watch different people who've gone through that. And it's like, you guys have gone through that where it's like, of course you get to do great things, but you're, you get to do them because he's great in you right? and you know him. Yeah. And that's, I think of the people who don't have him and how they go through those lulls, those spaces in between this project and this project or this thing and this thing and how that's where drug addiction happens. And that's where the anxiety disorders ha- stay forever. Right. And that's where, you know, and I just think like everyone saw Shreya and I look at each other and we're like, we're so blessed. We know him. I know. Like we know him. Like, yes. Like we're okay. Like this is, it gets hard in between. And it it's, is. It's thank you, Jesus. It's not just about the between projects from resource to resource. Cause you get up unlimited money, but you're still looking for the significance of the picture that you get exactly. to do this. Right. You know, so I've, I know a lot of people who don't have the resource issue, but they have the project issue where it's like, you're still waiting. You're still, you're still looking for that place of significance. Right. And, and I think 
the main thing that's helped us throughout all of these different seasons has been to always stay in a place of worship. So like Daniel and I worship together at night on guitar. I worship as soon as the girls go off to school. I play on the piano and worship. Just constant worship and adoration. That's where those dishes are piled up. That, that's why I don't do anything else. I'm still waiting <laughs> sorry, for this Daniel. nanny to come. Uh, I worship all day. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was with God. Can you take care of that? Um, but in a constant place of worship yeah. because it, it postures your heart and your mind to the storyteller and the story that he's telling and to let him like continue to write all of it. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, because every book has the setups and the different things that happen to the characters and then the twist. And then this person came into the picture out of nowhere and then someone exited and then whatever, like let him tell a story. Mm-hmm. It's not just like I'm on the top of a roller coaster all the time. Like that's yeah. a bad book. Yeah. You know, like let him like be the artist that he is. He's the greatest storyteller of all time. And we get to be a character in this like epic love yeah, story epistles. of all creation, yeah. you know, yeah. like be a part of it. Release yourself to be a part of him creating it as he goes. Hmm. You already know he already knows, but let him be the creator in between all of it. And know that like when you're at home with your kids and you are buried in laundry and all you do for a couple of months is read storybooks and help kids with homework that you don't even understand yourself. <laughs> like know that he loves it. He's there with you. Mm-hmm. You know, every life, every day is so precious that we get to be here mm-hmm. every moment in, in our bodies before we have a time where there are no tears and no pain and no sickness and no everything. But for this precious time that we have to be with him, what a special time it is to have a relationship with him and yeah. to get to rely on him. That's beautiful. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you. (laughs) Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. Okay, you are now on my game show. Just kidding. Yes, but you're not. I'm not because we're going to play a game. It's going to be really fun. And I remember I felt like a game show host. When I was a game show host, when we did the dating show at our church. Yes. That was one of the worst experiences of my life. As was everyone else's. <laughs> but it's over now, and it's you can over. watch it on Netflix. Yeah. Please don't. No, just, just take away all of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so this is called Something Real and Something Fake, and I'm going to give you one real fact and one fake fact, and you have to decide which one is connected to reality and which one's not. And these are subjects that are related to you somehow. Okay. So you have a live comedy show called Laugh. So let's talk about laughter. Here's two facts about laughter. Oh, gosh. You All have right. to decide which one's true. According to Neuroscience Online, seals were studied for their unique laugh and findings were outrageous. Not only do they laugh at funny things, but they fake laugh when one is trying to impress each other just like humans do. When one male seal was trying to impress a female, she laughed, but the neuroscan showed that not only was she not impressed, she was nervous and in judgment to him. Okay. There's one fact, seals. The second fact, 
Your brain can detect fake laughter. In the first cross-cultural experiment of its kind, researchers asked 884 people from 21 different cultures in six regions around the world, mm -hmm. from Peru to South Korea, to listen to recordings of real spontaneous laughter and fake laughter. Recording from college-age U.S. women. On average, nearly two-thirds of listeners in each culture could tell the difference. The team reports on a study accepted for publication in psychological science. Genuine chuckles were typically higher-pitched and louder. Okay, I would say that number two is true. It is true. Woo! Number one was almost true, but it not quite true. It felt kind of true. Yeah, I, I wanted it to be to true. It. it was it was almost true. They can actually they do laugh at things. Yeah. But they don't fake laugh. Right. <laughs> I wanted them thought. to be that intelligent. Yeah. I was like, yes, they're my new best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Seals. Yeah. Or, or okay. Here Everyone hear that sample of Sean doing a sample <laughs> impression. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> separate that out and put that somewhere. So now we're gonna talk about comedy fame and how it affects people. Okay. This is a lot of fun because you're a comedian yes. and I'm a wannabe comedian. Okay. <laughs> According to psychology, this is fact number one. According to psychology today, it's better to be famous as a comedian. Jokes are funnier if you know the comedian. Familiarity is a key part of humor and laughter. And research shows people find jokes told by famous comedians to be funnier than the same joke told by someone they're not familiar with. That's fact number one. Fact number two, the top Three comedians of all time, according to Comedy Central, are number one, Richard Pryor, number two, Seinfeld, and number three, Charlie Chaplin. That's it. Number one is true. You know that already. Yes. You knew that already. You <laughs> well, knew I know that as being a science. comic. Yes. You know, and I know as watching other comics, like, that's... You know, I think that's why comedians you like really do want more opportunity. It's almost yeah. a drive for fame because then you feel known. Yes. Then you feel like you could have the audience or that the, the jokes land the right way. Totally. The more you're known. Because I've watched a lot of comedians it's their first time in front of an audience and yeah. it's it can be brutal. It's so brutal. And so then if you're known, you're already... Ah, we're they're already they already support you. Yeah. So if someone's buying a ticket to your show, it's because they want to like support you and they want to see your show. They like you. Totally. And, the, and if they've heard the routine two or three times, it doesn't. It's like a song that's familiar. Exactly. Like and it. it makes them feel good and happy. And, that's so yeah, funny. Totally. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Here we go. Women in comedy. Come on, Sean. Try to get me on one. Here we go. All right. Number one, according to Tina Fey and Amy uh, Poehler of Saturday Night Live fame, the gender gap in comedy is now almost non-existent. In a recent interview with Huffington Post, they admitted to similar paychecks and roles as the male counterparts that are getting in film and television. Tina said, when it comes to comedy, men and women aren't that different after all. So that's number one. Number two is, in the stand-up world, the situation is no less gender skewed. Last year, all 10 of the highest paid comedians collectively netting a cool $173 million were guys. Which one is true? That is a tough one. Um... Number one's true? Nope, it's number two. Oh, dang it. I think Tina Fey would be disappointed in you. Yeah, so <laughs> much actually, shame. They actually choose um, the opposite or share the opposite that it's still such a big gender gap. Yeah. So. See, that's interesting. I mean, because women in comedy has risen, like the attention for that has risen so, so much, much in the last yeah. five years that you're like, maybe they're almost there. Yeah. But then even this year, like with Netflix paying less for female yeah. comedians that was a huge thing so well it's i think I it's get right tricked. here it says 25 percent less on the top women comedians and top male comedians yes or more yeah so it's that's that's pretty significant we have to look at that yeah Not but i was being serious. prophetic with the first one yes. so technically i'm right that's right you're right it's a prophecy over women in <laughs> comedy <laughs> okay the groundlings here we go okay Two facts about the groundlings. Fact number one, a groundling was a person who visited the Globe Theater in the early 17th century. They were too poor to be able to pay to sit in one of the three levels of the theater. So if they paid a penny, they could stand in the pit, also called the yard. Mm -hmm. 
That's mm-hmm. fact number one. Okay. Fact number two, Chevy Chase was the third ground lead to join the theater company, but later when gaining fame, he had a fallout with the founder, Gary Austin. Gary has all mentions of Chevy Chase's association struck out of companies and public and private records as his name is not even able to be uttered in the theater itself. I would say one is true. You are correct. Yeah, because <laughs> I believe Chevy Chase is Second City. And yeah, I knew that so about. You know that yeah. Oh, well, you know all the facts. Well, that concludes our game. And you did Yay. a great job and you win this prize. Water. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I exactly. love water. Thanks for playing our game. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> hey, Exploring the Industry listeners. We have an incredible book that I just released just for you. My new book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, is out now. I wrote this book so that you would have a very specific tool to help you use words to define your own history and future with God. Throughout human history, we've seen prayer and the prophetic and declarations shape society, set culture, provide heritage, and bring vision for the future. And when you combine prayers, declarations, and prophecies like you encounter in this book, you become even more intentional about the power of words. Prophecies, prayers, and declarations are instrumental for us to enter our promised land. This book, Provision, Prophecies, Prayers, and Declarations, will cover topics in finances, resources, family, influence, favor, business, and more. Through this book, I'm inviting you on the journey of learning how to use words to speak in the very fabric of your life, the spiritual realm and the world around you. I pray that you'll find yourself using and reusing this book as you hear God speak to your heart. You can get our book anywhere books are sold, but if you get it at bullsministries.com and you pre-order it or post-order it, you're going to get a very exclusive teaching series. So I want to encourage you to get it there. I'm here with Cammie Burkell, a comedian, actress, musician, production house owner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love being with you because we talk about things that I don't always get to talk to friends about, especially comedy, because Shereen and I are so interested in comedy, period. Yeah. And Christians have been kind of the last one in line when it comes to comedy. Yes. So it's so cool that you're saying no. Yeah. There's other comedians right now that are emerging, like John Christ and yes. Trey Kennedy and Angela yeah. Johnson and just different people who are interested. They have a faith-based background. Yes. But they're mainstream, which is really cool. Yes. It's awesome. So it's kind of your day. It's kind yes. of your time, which is It's a is good cool. time. It's a good time to be a woman in comedy, yeah, too. Yeah, it is. So- Let's talk about comedy for a few minutes just as far as Christians and how come we haven't been present. Like, Mm -hmm. why have we not been in comedy? Let me say this, because faith-based films, for the most part, after we got over the end time phase of the 70s and 80s, (laughs) it's everything was end times. They're still like left behind, I know. (laughs) But um, we got into the 90s and 2000s, and almost all the films were either biblical epics, or they were like dramas, or they were suspense, or they're like missionary movies. We still haven't got into the comedy role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're going into faith-based films, but you are doing some faith-based projects as far as your last nights and that kind of thing. But but I'm just wondering, why is there such a big gap when God literally created laughter for us to be connected? I think because possibly the church as a whole just hasn't taught much on it. Yeah. So I think we need to teach more on, you know, because joy. the joy of the Lord is our actual strength. That's what we like suit up with yeah. is happiness. You know, because when the enemy comes to strike, it's like, just laugh. It's a joke. Yeah. Give me a break. Same old tricks, you know? Yeah. But I think if the church can can talk more about that and and look at it as the weapon that it is, it's not just a weapon, it's medicine. God yeah. says, this is medicine for your bones. You know, you you hear of a lot of people that even in hospitals, people that that maybe don't believe in the Lord or, but have been given, you know, the information like post-positive 
things that make you happy, things that make you laugh, watch comedies in your hospital room. Oh, it's all over psychology, yes, neurology, and, and there's, been, there's a turnaround science, in people's I mean, it shows. health. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just a, a part that the church hasn't really um, talked about or honed in, and it's yeah. so powerful. Um, I'm currently working on writing a show that is uh, about a community church, <laughs> and it's a yes. sitcom with stellar yes. comics in it, stellar comics, That's and it's clean. I want a cameo. But it's, Yes. Yes. Um, but it's super funny and it's for anybody who, uh, goes to church or doesn't go to church and has no idea about that world. Um, but I think just the church needs to talk more about it and raise up people, people's awareness because the gifting's there, like God's given this gifting to thousands of people. And I think if the church can help also make avenues for that, for that gifting to come out and be used as ministry. Well, I remember talking to a comedian when I first moved here, and he's not anywhere that I know of anymore. But he said, Sean, the comedians are the church's bastard stepchild. That's how he said it. He's, yeah. He said that because he said, we're the ones who we don't have fathers in the church. They they want to use us to do like announcements or church mm-hmm. videos, but they don't understand full comedy. And so we we have no place. And I know it's changed so much since he – this is 12, 15 yeah. years ago He when he told me this. But I, I, I remember thinking – this is one of the most powerful moments because when you share something in the context of comedy, you can share anything. You can literally share Absolutely. about politics, about racism, about whatever you want to share about. You can make the most profound statements if someone's laughing. Yeah. And and I think even in, you know, um, the prophetic movement and even the things that, that you're doing yeah. and that we're seeing God move like that in the industry is like when people are laughing and having a good time. Yeah. Um, they're so open. Totally. To whatever he wants to do. And they feel safe because yeah, they are safe. Not to put myself in comedy realm, but one of the things that Shree, my wife, and I've talked about is that, and people have told me this many times, like I didn't really believe in prophecy. I didn't really believe in hearing God's voice. And then you said something that was so funny and normal. And then right after the God moment came yeah. and you yeah. like opened my heart because you were just funny. Like you said, like I'd call it somebody by name yeah, and first, last and middle name. And then I'd be like, Oh, it's not you and move on. And then say, just kidding. It's you. You know, and everybody would laugh going, how did he know that person's name? Well, it's because you're lowering the stakes of perfection. And I think yeah. that's one of the hardest things in the church is it's like what I was talking about when I was really getting healing while I was at the groundlings was that I was around a group of very imperfect people that were vocal about their brokenness. Yeah. And so I think that's the power of comedy in church and in conferences and different situations is for us to be imperfect, for yeah. us to make mistakes and be relatable all the time, totally. all the time. We never well, who, need a mask. Which preachers does society recognize and celebrate the most? Is it the comedy based preacher? I'm mean, even Joyce yeah. Myers, who's yeah. so funny. Yeah. Like she says the most profoundly funny thing that spanks us at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, some of the main preachers out there, even Brian Houston, if you listen to him long enough from Hillsong, you'll hear something that he says. It's like, oh, that's like really deep, but he's getting you to laugh the whole time about the story. And it's just, so there's something where people believe in this, but to actually activate it on a level where it's like, we're partnering, not just reactionarily using it, but we're actually partnering with this tool, this theology to do something about this. Exactly. As opposed to saying, this person's funny. Let's make them say the announcements because they're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or like, let's have them tag onto this thing. But valuing the gift for what yeah. it is, putting value on it, and getting that that uh, message out in the church. Yeah. That you know the world values this. The world pays big money. It's for a this. billion dollar industry. Yeah. yeah. The world pays for comedies, for shows, for stand ups. For you look at the over billion dollars that are being poured into to Netflix right now for for stand ups and like the world. This is the world values laughter because yeah. they they want to escape. 
Totally. You know, they want to get to that place. Well, we got to that point where yeah. Sheree and I are watching some shows. One of our favorite shows is like a drama, kind of action suspense drama. And we haven't been able to watch it for two years because our life is so intense and full on. Yeah. You know, little kids, you know what that's like. Little yeah. kids and then life full on projects. And when you watch that, you can't escape into it when your life is a little stressed out or when your life is, ma- I wouldn't say stressed, but maxed out. Yes. Like we're at our full capacity and a little bit over. Yes. So we're constantly resetting our boundaries to get more time back. So we watch a show like that and it feels like it takes energy and time. Yeah. But then we watch something else and we're like, this is brilliant. Even reruns of The Office. Like we watch totally. something and we're like, Oh, you just rest in the comedy. You, have to of it. Do you just anything. you don't have to you're do anything. You're just like I'm happy. I mean, your first run through the office, you're stressed out, but the second run, it's really fun. The <laughs> fifth run, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. Like Steve, Steve's character stresses yeah. me out. But after that, after you know what he's going to yeah. do, <laughs> you know that that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, what is your vision as far as what do you see like over the next? Uh, let's say we're at the end of ten years from now. Yeah. And Christians are brave, and they're going in the industry yeah. of comedy. What will that look like on the landscape of both the church and the world for? Christians being present there. Well, I think I think in the world, um, and I think in a in a secular context, that I think um, our original purpose is to be the best at what we do. Mm-hmm. So to be the top of the game, to be yeah. setting the standard for the industry, um, to be setting the standard for clean comedy. That clean comedy would no longer be just like, oh, that's clean comedy, or she's yeah. a safe comic. But it's just like that is stellar comedy yeah. like there's not a show that's better than this show that's on no matter what you believe no it's you so know? good yeah like that's that's you know for me and what i do and the people that i'm working with like that's the vision full steam ahead is just to be absolutely the best and and that really impacted me when i um first moved here a father to daniel nine in the industry is a man named abraham laboreal he's a bass player He's probably the best in the world. He's wow. a legend in his own time. He's played every single epic pop, wow. rock, Latin album. He's on it. Everything, you know, wow. every, you know, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson, like everybody. And um, and he's been a mentor to Daniel and I, and we meet with him. And we recorded with him once in, in the studio and we were in a huge studio in Hollywood and everybody was there and all these incredible engineers and stars and whoever. So we get in there, Abe's getting ready to turn on and play. And you just, you just want to be there to hear him. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. And he says to everybody, uh, it's time to pray. Wow. So when Abe Laboreal says it's time to pray, Everybody prays. Everybody drops what they're doing. It does not matter who you are in the room. We all got in a circle and Abe just worshiped the Lord in spirit and truth, singing new songs to him, worshiping him, praying, blessing the place. And people were in tears. Yeah. The atmosphere so authentic. just changed. I mean, it's like, I can tell what you're saying. It's it's not yeah. a religious no, not thing. At it's all. like he literally. No, he just brings Jesus. Yeah. That's what we're called to wow. do. And so- that was such an example for me and inspiration to become absolutely the best at my craft and what I do absolutely. And to bring as many people as I can with me to become absolutely the best because really when you're brought into those rooms and when you're given those opportunities, it is to bring Jesus to the people in front of you. And God does something. Um, when, when you've, when you've worked really hard and you've set a precedent and a work ethic, like there was something it's like when Abel Boreal prays, we all pray. Wow. You know, and that's what I want, you know? Well, and I think it's interesting because I was listening to a, I was doing an online comedy kind of coaching thing that yeah. I did. 
And the man who was teaching it was a Jewish man. And he said, if you're, if you're black, don't make black jokes. It's the lowest hanging fruit. If you're a white man, don't tell sex jokes. It's the lowest yeah. hanging fruit. If you're, you know, if you're a woman, don't just make jokes about your husband. It's the lowest. Like he just said, yeah. try and be who you are without having to go to the easiest place. And I thought I start watching dry bar comedy, which just became a phenomenon overnight. Mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest distributions of comedy in history yep. and over YouTube and Facebook. And it just happened. And it's all clean comedy. Right. There's comedians, and I was listening to some of them, and some are extremely funny, some are just okay. But listening to him, it's like you had to go outside of all those norms where the low hanging fruit is and actually say something. Yeah. And it was, it's so interesting because you, you and I have both been to comedy clubs in LA. I've been to so many of them. Yeah. One comedian is usually good, the rest of them. Yeah. Usually you're just like, you're waiting for that moment. You gotta get through it. And when you're a Christian, you're not drinking like 10 drinks to make it funnier. Right. (laughs) Hopefully. You know, you're like, oh, this is getting awful. One more drink, please. You know, like as a Christian, (laughs) you're there to actually be entertained and actually, you know, so it's, you're not just there, you know. And so it's hard when there's been, even the comedy industry period, it's been kind of dry for a while for in a lot of ways. And something's been happening right now as well, which is is really exciting. And I see that, um, just to answer your question in the church too, as 10 years from now, what I would love to see is comedy as a ministry. Like that's it's a cool. ministry that's fully supported and valued and used yeah. as a regular thing for people to, um, to laugh and to have yeah. fun together because I think it builds community in church and, um, it also brings healing and just opening up our minds that God's given us all so many gifts to bring people to him and to bring healing to his people. Yeah. And that that's just something that if it's utilized could just be huge, just a joy explosion huge. all over the world. What if all the churches wow. are laughing? What if all of them are laughing <laughs> like all the time? I don't know. What, what if that we're the happiest like. people on the planet who are supposed to That's what the Bible be? says. <laughs> I know, right? Right? Yeah. Like what if, what if we set up schools and training grounds and this is something that's valued and paid attention to that comedians and people who are doing what I do in the church are yeah. looked at as like, wow, this is a true gifting from God. We know it is. Yeah. But for other people to understand the work and the discipline and everything that it goes into it for other people to have a good time, it's a lot of work because we care. Yeah. Like I care that if you come to see me in a show that I take you on a vacation and then you have an encounter with the Lord. I care. I care. And and it's cost me a lot to be in this place. And it's cost a lot of other comedians a lot to get mm-hmm. up there. It's scary. I mean, public speaking scary, but like getting up there and being like, I'm going to make you laugh for two oh, hours, yeah. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Your whole context is, yeah. I'm funny. And if I'm not, it's going to be obvious. Then we, I'm going to let you just yeah. sit there and judge me and it's going to feel awful, you know? So there's a lot of cost that goes into yeah. it. Um, but well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking now, of like a little... 18 year old who's probably in the Midwest right now listening to this going, my whole dream is comedy. And they hear you because you come from Oklahoma. Yeah. Like they hear you and, and you Mm -hmm. followed out your dream and and you're still following out this dream Mm -hmm. and they hear you and they go be excellent, but you can do it. Like they they haven't had a context that this could be a Christian calling. Yeah. They haven't had a context that God is literally anointing people with comedy to break things open. Yes. And this might be the first time a lot of our audience has ever heard that. Right. Or thought of that as like, this is actually a viable position. And 
comedians are no longer just in two places, like in move, movies and film and then in comedy clubs. Right. There's so many professions and ways they're to use movies, comedy. television, radio. Cruise ships. They're on yeah. corporate events. They're, writing they're, shows. There's, yeah, yeah, writing all kinds of stuff. Not mm-hmm. just shows, but YouTube content. Yeah. I mean, they're they're everywhere now. And it used to be like, it's the days of musicians when there used to be two occupations. And now yeah. someone comes out to LA and their parents are afraid. And they're like, oh, I'm actually writing songs for this TV show. You're like, it's, I actually have a job doing this, a career, exactly. like salary, the whole thing. Right. And comedians, there's a lot more space for them in society, period, now. But also right. the church, again, we're last in line. Mm-hmm. But we have the most brilliant God who is so fun and so funny so living awesome. inside of us, who knows how to interpret everything through humor. Right. So, I mean, like, we actually have a writing partner. Yeah, exactly. Is, have you ever had that happen? Yes, God? 100%. Yeah. Like, he'll help me with the inline of a joke. So I was telling this joke about how a, a lady comes up to me and is like, I got this word for you. Do you know the scripture, Matthew 25, 12? And I was like, 100%. I know that scripture. Yes, I do. She's like, really? And I was like, yeah, I love that scripture. I've got it written all over my mirror and a t-shirt. <laughs> like I've got pants on the back that say Matthew 25, 12, whatever, you know. And and then of course, like I went home and looked up Matthew 25, 12 and I was like, surely I don't know you. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I was writing that joke with the bit, God gave me Matthew 25. I was like, what's the end of this oh joke? And I didn't have time to search the Bible. And he's like, Matthew 25, 12. Looked it up. And it was that. And that's the bit. That's amazing. But he's so funny. Like, we're made in his image. Ser- no, to seriously. Be, and like, you've bonkers. been able to pull, like, your file cabinet. Like, you, you pulled out journals. Yes. About your ex-boyfriend. And my, one of my favorite things I ever saw you do was your husband's playing guitar on stage. Yeah. And my my Latin lover husband. Your Latin lover husband. <laughs> and you're reading journals from when you're a teenager. Yeah. Or almost preteen or something. Yeah, like 15. 16. And you're reading journals about boys you're in love with. Yes. So why many. he's playing. Yeah. And your pen pal who yeah. wasn't writing you back. Who wasn't writing me back. <laughs> it was so funny. This hot guy who lived in Enid, Oklahoma. <laughs> just never get him to write me back. <laughs> and you would always make a comment about that. Never uh, journal. In every and it's a real ju- journal. Like, it's a real journal. I brought the actual journal and I showed <laughs> on a video clip of Valentine's Day card that was given to me on postal paper. <gasps> oh, and I should have known paper. that I was going to get yeah. stood up. But, but yeah, Daniel was playing, you know, a Spanish serenade behind me. <laughs> so. How did he feel? about that oh he loves it oh yeah he's very he's very confident in our relationship yes he is he sure is but that's so like because he's kind of stoic in his personality so it's fun to watch him where he's just up there like you know just almost smug just playing stuff for my wife again (laughs) (laughs) totally i love how there's material everywhere when god kind of brings you alive in it there's material and a lot of your most embarrassing moments become your funnest moments because then Absolutely. you're sharing it. Yeah. And there's a joy in uncovering the fact that you are this insecure 15-year-old who everyone is, you know, when they're yeah. 15. And just, why isn't this working out for me? You know, yeah. it was just so fun. Just the epilogue, the drama, you know. So My life was so dramatic because I created it to be like that. Of course. That's like part <laughs> of the fun of being a teenager, yeah. I think, is teenagers are somewhat addicted to drama totally so tell me about the writing process because you're writing like you said a series right now on a church Mm -hmm. and and i'm sure you're writing other stuff too but like walk us through as a because you've you've studied comedy writing yeah and you've done comedy writing for years but Mm -hmm. now you're doing your own projects so kind of walk me through what does that look like for you how do you actually find time and manage that that is the question (laughs) Um, i have to block out time yeah so uh, like this week, last week was crazy week with traveling. And, and I also do performance coaching at um, some private schools here in LA. So oh, wow. I teach a lot during the day. Um, so I have to block out time to do it. So I have a writer's retreat uh, for myself coming up in oh, the end good. of April. I so do I'm the same thing for Go writers, away, so yeah, for it. two days. But basically it's a creation of characters. So you start with like a character Bible and you create this world 
So you, wow. you're just writing down the character name and then you're creating everything about their world, you know, all the things they do up front, all the things they do behind, like wow. what their family looks like, what makes them mad, what makes them happy, what what pet peeves do they have, what do they do that annoy other people, you know, like creating their worlds. Yeah. Um, and so much of that is a, is a creating process with the Lord. So I always ask before I write and I write a lot of shows for the the church that I go to. I'm writing their Christmas production coming up and nice. how I wrote the last one was... Um, I just closed my eyes and I was like, Lord, what do you want to say? And he showed me a picture of the stage set. So that was where the whole story inspired from. Wow. And so even with these shows, it's like, okay, God, what do you want to write? Because I believe God's super funny. I mean, he's crazy. He's awesome. So I'm like, what are we doing? And and then I'll get a picture of a character and we'll talk about it and then just start developing it. Yeah. You can write a sizzle reel. You can go into straight writing the pilot or you could write like a lot of times I'll write a bunch of five minute shorts mm -hmm. that then I eventually put kind of mix into a pilot, but for me to get used to the characters and how they talk and oh, sound cool. and all of that. So yeah. And stand ups wow. totally different. Like stand ups, like little, like you could say something funny today and I would write that down and then be like, what inspires me about that? And then write a whole thing about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then, and then Flash carve it out. out in the clubs, like just. Wow. Tell me line, about like, that working. part in the club. So you're, yeah. you're at a club, mm -hmm. your first time, the people don't know you. No. And you start out and are you looking for a certain rhythm or a certain, do you know when something lands and then you can play off it or how does it work for you? You get to know your crowd pretty quickly. Yeah. So you can know within the first, you know, 60 seconds if you're going to sink or swim. Wow. So, cause you, you, you kind of comedy is about energy and it's about, um, playing off your crowd. So yeah. it's, it's an interaction, it's a conversation. So if the comedy that I'm doing isn't necessarily for the crowd that I have, you know, like at a club somewhere in Hollywood or whatever, I quickly try to begin to tailor it okay. as I figure out what my audience is, you know, yeah. if family and kids is really relating with them or if it's a different outlook of family and kids, yeah. or if I play more of a character when I'm up there, like a character point of view, more of a jaded or more of a bubbly happy, you know? Mm -hmm. So as you get used to being on stage, you start to naturally adjust as you Which need to. the ground lanes probably really helped you because you yeah, guys probably had a, a lot of really good nights. Because uh, improv, I yes. mean, you could just sink. You just die. You could just like, like all, all of a sudden, time. I mean, I remember going to ground lanes one night and we had like, like seven things in a row and like, there's one really funny one, thank God. And then there was three that just nothing just happened. Dead, yeah. They were just dead. Yeah. And I was like, and that was the only time of groundlings that happened. It's always yeah. usually so good. Really good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it got really funny. It was almost good that there was so much bad because then it was like they they knew it. They were like, okay. Oh, yeah. So now they're like, they're being extra stupid. Like, like we know we suck. And then it got really good. Right, exactly. It was really funny to because watch. Because in that moment, they're calling out to the audience, we we know what you see. So we're okay. going to call that same thing. Like, oh, I just tried that joke out for the first time. It didn't work. That's what I thought would happen. And then people laugh because <laughs> you're like, you're like we're work. all in this together. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with church audiences. So every church has a different culture. Yeah. Some churches are more charismatic. Some are more conservative. Some are whatever. And so you try to know as much of that information before as going in. But then you're dealing with a very select group of people yeah. in there. And then you just begin to gently wade the water and then, you know, where to go, how to like give them the best amount of the best time yeah, and give them the most amount of material that they can relate to and have fun with. Cause it's about serving yeah. them. What's the longest you've ever had to do a comedy show? An hour. Oof. An so hour. I've done an hour of stand up. I've done wow. like two hours of sketch. How did um, it go for an hour? It was awesome. Wow. I mean, that's a lot. Cause I watched Shereen. I watch a lot of the comedians on Netflix Yeah, and there's a lot of highs and lows in an hour. Yes. 
and uh, some are really brutally low. Yes. And and not as high. And then some, so there's a few people who can just keep a rhythm to it, but that's a long time to do comedy. It is a long time. Yeah. Wow. It's a trek. I mean, that's, that's where the grind is. That's where yeah. the hard work behind it really has to come in. And then sketch comedy for two hours is a little uh-huh. bit probably easier. It's just wilder because wilder you're like, you're changing like the, the groundlings or, you know, we had a sketch group called the gym and we were doing shows for about eight years. Um, you're going back and you're changing costumes and wigs and people, you know, in 30 yeah. seconds and you're going back out there to do another set. So it goes by faster cause it's yeah. so crazy, but it's always like a ton of fun. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's talk about the entertainment industry as a whole. Like you guys came out here and obviously you're in the music world and the film and television and the comedy world. So coming out here in this stage of where the entertainment industry is at right now, what would you give as far as an assessment? Like what is God doing? It's a big question. I think from when we came out here to now that it's, it's changed tremendously Yeah. Um, in every way from the way that artists make money um, to the way that, you know, music is formatted and how people make money doing that to the way that comedy, like, you know, I, I first moved out here, like YouTube was just beginning to be talked about as something, you know, so like the availability as an artist to have opportunity to do whatever we want and kind of have control about who sees it and how people can be reached. Um, that didn't, that wasn't happening, you know, when we first came out here, um, as far as God moving the entertainment industry, like he's just sent so many people out here. Mm -hmm. Like he always has, but at least in our generation, like we're all connecting and meeting and he's just placing people all over it. He's placing people all over Los Angeles for revival. Well, I talked to people from like 25 years ago, like people who were here, you know, the generation before all of us. And it felt like there's almost like this, I'm alone syndrome and not all of them, but I mean, there's like a, it's been really hard. I'm really alone type thing. And I feel like this generation that's out here is like, I know them. I know them. I know like, there's so much love and celebration. Like you're exactly. here. And that's this the amazing awesome. part is that instead of um, competition or whatever, it's like, there's so many of us that moved out here on the same time that God's like, let us link arms yeah. and walk together for a long time. And then at the same time has positioned us in very different places across the city so that we can all hold out one huge net yeah. and be fishers of men. And like, that's why I really believe like so many of us are spread out and we see each other when we can and all that, but there's just like a kindredness of spirit. Yeah. But then also God's like, we're casting this net huge. You know, I have to have you everywhere. Yeah. And probably before there's a lot more at stake because there was only like a few directors, producers, actors, whatever yeah. had any kind of, but there has been so many changes that there's, it's been more diverse now. Yes. And so there's a lot of different opportunities. So now there's people who you wouldn't be as competitive because you're not going after the same part, the same role, the same everything. Mm-hmm. So all right. of a sudden you have, like I was talking to uh, on another episode, Jessica Oyelowo, who's one of your friends. Yeah. And you guys, she told me you guys drive together a girls group. We do. I, are- I want her to always drive because she has a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you guys like go to, but I mean, I think of like, she was just telling me, I, she said, who else are you having on the show the next week? And I said, actually, Cammy's going to come and record. She's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I wish I could stay, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. But I think it's a picture of, of how there's such a celebratory yes. culture in a lot of us where it's like, there's... I'm for you and I want you to succeed and your success is breakthrough for me. Yes. And I don't know that that was here in the seventies, eighties and nineties. There was a few big guys, a few big dogs. And then there was a lot of people who were trying and there's a lot of broken dreams amongst the church. So I think now we're in this new landscape again Mm -hmm. and I'm watching you like you and Daniel, like coming into a place of connecting to people 
and you guys give and contribute to people's dreams all the time. You guys help your community and your friends and your family. Like I said earlier, like you, you've helped two or three emerging comedians in your shows have yeah. space. Right. What would normally take them like four years through the groundlings, you know, you have one space, like in a real way. Right. They're getting space because you believe in them from the foundation of who totally. they are, which is really special. And I think that as we plow here, we plow ground for other people. So That's true. the old mentality is you got to pay your dues. Yeah. You know, you hear that and you hear that in the music world so much in engineering and stuff in Daniel's profession. Um, but I, I think that God has a journey that's different for all of us. Yeah. And I think that if I can help pay someone else's dues and plow the ground for them so that they can have an accelerated time in what they do, then amazing. Because yeah. then we get more of the Lord wherever he's trying to be. Yeah. So it's not like you need to go do this grind for 10 years. It's like, no way. If I can help create a platform for you to be who you are right now, then then let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. And, and about Jessica, like she's, she's such a perfect example of cheering other people on, you know, for sure. Like we do self tapes with each other for auditions and, and, and it is so much that culture and that love and that sisterhood that's happening out here. That's like, like our friend PETA, like yeah. there's nothing we all love more than seeing each other succeed. It's oh, like, how sure. can I help you get this part? Like, no, let's redo it. Like, how can I help you? Like, let me read this better for you. Or like, let me do your script analysis. Let me see what I can find from it. Like, just that's awesome. come on, push, I was push, thinking about push, her push. because I was thinking about how, like she told me the other day she got in a new role, but she couldn't tell me because she was under NDA and I'm like, tell me. She's like, I can't tell you. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And then her producer told me, I was like, yes. He was like, Oh, I just it's hired just Peter trouble, for a yeah. role and it's amazing. And I'm so excited. But I just like, there is that place of like, when someone makes it, we all make it more. Yes. We all get bigger. We all get more opportunity because the kingdom's advancing. There you We're go. seeing that the kingdom is increasing and there's something that like, I loved, I heard you earlier say like, go after the craft, develop your skill, but I'm not hearing you say the old thing of like, pay a price. No. I'm hearing you say, Use become good, become good brain. at what you're doing, like yeah. become the most excellent. And there's, there's a difference now where it's like, we have to come at it. And I think people who are watching this are either entertainers or they're people in, who've watched entertainment so much. I mean, the average Christian household is six hours per person in the family. The average Christian household only prays 15 minutes a day total. So that means that we're participating with entertainment already. We should be doing it intentionally. Because we actually care about it because we're doing it. And right. a lot of people have a guilty association with how they're doing it. And maybe we should for some of the six hours a day is a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe we should. But um but at the same time, like if we could go after it intentionally, like and I love what you're doing because there's an intentional journey to say, let's change this and let's change right. the scope of and especially comedy, which I'm so glad you've been on the show because comedy itself to me is gonna it's gonna be one of God's hidden weapons in this next great kind of movement of God activity on the earth. Yeah. Well, and I think comedy is so radical because when we see, um, as much as we see that, that evil has prevailed in some areas, we see God come in and just double over all of that. And comedy is such a hidden weapon and it's such a, um, a weapon in the sense of like, we are more than overcomers yeah. and we can have full and complete joy in Christ Jesus, who is our absolute prize all the time. All the time. He's yeah. our absolute prize. You know? Like, that's so beautiful. That's nuts. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing that no matter what is thrown at us and no matter what triumphs we have or destruction that we face when, you know, the enemy's coming and trying to kill and destroy our lives, yeah. that to be in a place, a heavenly place, Ephesians, of joy. Yeah. 
sitting at the right hand of God at all times to have the aerial shot. It's like Elisha in the Bible when a servant says to him, don't you see we're surrounded? Look, don't you see? And Elijah's like, it's all good. (laughs) And he's like, but what are we going to do? And he said, God, open his eyes that he can see. Open his eyes that he can see. And his eyes are open. The servant's eyes are open. And he looks around and the hills and the streets and all around have chariots Mm. and horses of fire. And it's like, that's our reality. Yeah. That's our reality of the God and the kingdom that we serve, the kingdom that we reign in, the kingdom that we get to be like children laughing at the feet of Jesus because he's so cool and he's so funny, no matter what is happening, no matter what's happening. Wow. And that's a kingdom that when people see that, they want to be a part of that. I want to know who he is. How do you have this joy? How are you happy? When you have money, when you don't have money, when you have a studio, when you don't have a studio, when you have a project and when you don't have a project for years, how can you be happy? How can you be more than an overcomer? Because my God, just through his love, just through his love for us, is exceedingly and abundantly more than anything that this world can give me ever. He's more. He's more. Look at him, like even sitting here talking together or getting to do a movie or being at home doing laundry for 10 hours as much as I hate it. Like <laughs> he's more, he's yes. always there. He's so much more. Wow. I just think of, you know, 10 years from now and my glimpse for comedy that there's going to be kids who are watching your career and because you exist, because you said yes, they're going to say you know, people say, I want to be like Bill Johnson in the church, or I want to be like Brian Houston in the church, but they're going to say, I want to be like Cammy Burkow. I want to, I want to, I want to be a comedian because you exist. You're giving uh, a glimpse into an occupation of God's heart that a lot of people never saw before. I think it's really beautiful because you represent such a fully formed vision of God. And I love that you're getting even more deployed now than ever. Like so much more is happening now than ever because of what you just said. Ah. So I love it. Thank Thanks you. so much for being on the show. Thank Seriously. you for having me. No, it's been great. I'm so glad. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Exploring the Industry, our brand new podcast. And it's actually part of the podcast family of the Exploring the Prophetic. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly stories on Wednesdays that are everyday people like you and I who are hearing God and God is changing our options. He's changing our world. He's transforming culture around us because we're saying yes and obedience to God. And then on Fridays, we have Exploring the Industry. So make sure to subscribe and you're going to hear these amazing stories twice a week. And we need these stories right now. I know if if you're like me, you need the encouragement. So come join the conversation. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.